handle the truth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Thomas Free Me TV and podcast show. This is Thomas Free Me, and we are back for another live episode, another live discussion on Thursday night with Mr. Demetrius Knuckles Eel. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, his charge, you know, what he was in prison for, but more specifically around teenage killing. You know, why are our kids are, are, are killers today? The difference of, you know, our childhood and, and the, the, the upbringing that we were involved in, the environment that we were involved in, and how childhood is, is today. So with that being said, let me bring Mr. Demetrius in. And uh, here to speak, as as the brother just spoke about, we want to go, I want to take y'all in the mind of a child killer. You know, I want to take you in the actual mind of a child killer. And so we could delve in there and, and know what's really going on and not just paint youth with a broad paintbrush. I want us to really know the ins and outs of the uh, mechanisms of what's going on in the mind. And I echo that because I can reflect back and, and honestly say that the excitement, you know, we, we fought one another and we fought with fists. We didn't resort to guns because back then, you know, as a child, when I was growing up, guns weren't that plentiful as it is today to where you could just basically go to the corner store and get your gun. You can go almost to a doggone vending machine and get you a gun nowadays. And so it, it wasn't that plentiful. But the mindset was always being nurtured and cultivated. It's just that we grew up in an era to where there were so many other criminal activities to engage in because the idle man is the devil's playground that murder just wasn't one fighting was because there was a thrill in fighting i beat you and then you come back and you beat me and then the girls like me and they like you and now we got to fight again so there was the thrill of the fist fight there wasn't even really knives coming into play so now the question is what changed and that's what we try to talk about that's what we're getting down to. What change? What dynamic in the mind of youth changed that we went from enjoying and enjoying the thrill of fist fighting to picking up a gun and just shooting somebody, you know, as if it just was so natural. Mm -hmm. And let me let me just let me just give you a little bit of insight of me in particular when i was growing up and i did all the fist fighting and i loved fighting and people knew me to be fighting they actually thought my nickname was knuckles because me and my brothers and us always fought and 1984 came in and with 1984 in detroit came a wave of a different drug we was graduating from heroin, heroin, and we were entering the world of crack. 
And with the world of crack, as the movies have shown, with the world of crack came a world of guns. Guns flooded the street as crack flooded the street. Because the orchestrators of this play on minority communities, they knew that crack would bring out a certain mentality. And crack would create wealth in abundance so quickly that people would be scared for their lives and they needed to protect their lives. And then those robbers knew who to get now because some some guy up the street from you who was just walking to school with you yesterday with dirty shoes on one month from now is driving a Mercedes. So mm-hmm. the orchestrators of the crack uh, epidemic, pandemic, the orchestrators knew that that drug would create more drug addicts, mental illness, and it would create more robbers and robbers turn killers because those who made this wealth ain't giving it up. So that robber turned killer and he said, now keep in mind, I'm talking about in my youth, but I was not particularly affected, mentally affected, indoctrinated with it because I was still kind of young and just selling rocks was good enough for me. You know, so the picking up the gun didn't really come into play. But think of this here. All of the crack and heroin that we sold as a youth to those parents who are now our age and a little older, we sold this crack and heroin to their to them. Now they had children mm-hmm. born with mental illness, mm-hmm. crack babies, heroin mm-hmm. addicted babies, HI addicted babies. So now the, this is the mentality. So we fed, we fed a community of drug addicts a mentality that was genetically passed on to the child. We were teaching, we were feeding them animal ways. And now the child is acting out those animal ways that we fed their parents selling crack and heroin. Mm. So there's no holes barred. And, and we have to accept responsibility. You know, there's a, there's a documentary out right now um, by Rick Ross, the real Rick Ross. He put a documentary out on YouTube. Now, I was locked up with Rick Ross for a short time out in Texas at Texarkana. And we would go out on the weight pile. I was in the middle of writing my book. And uh, he had his, his little book thing going. And, um, you know, we would talk here and there. And he would tell me about the insides of what really went on with his case, you know, and, and now he's got this documentary out. Rick Ross is what started this crack epidemic, right? And the story of Rick Ross and Rick Ross and his documentary tells it as it is that the government was bringing these drugs in and he was the mule for the government and he was delivering cocaine crack cocaine all over the country to Detroit, to New York, to Florida, right? So you're sitting here and, and, and how you so grand eloquently articulated that dilemma, right? Because you're in the heartbeat of it. This is a gentleman that came from the inside of this here, as, as you explained, right? Is Rick Ross on the other side of the country funneling this stuff into your neighborhood at the hands of the government, right? So it's, 
and and another great point that you made and this is something that i'm i'm trying to get us to remember because we like to forget things right is those crack babies that you that you that you described these are adults now trying to live in our society with these mental handicaps right these are these are the 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 mental health people that are out here flipping out and and doing whatever it is that they're doing so it's these are the repercussions from this epidemic that came out in the 80s that we're still dealing with today you know and 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 these are parents now to children who are living that that same lifestyle threefold because this is generational now you know what i mean it's not just the individual dealing with it but now those those people from the 80s right they're they're probably grandparents now so you're talking third generation into this now that's right so now you know people would say i've heard the term that this is a lost generation right now this is a lost generation and when we speak of lost generation now let's go right back to what we just talked about because who sold their parents the the, the drugs mm -hmm. now we're not saying their parents ain't wrong for using we we we, we passed that Mm -hmm. They have to accept responsibility because they used it. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about us. We created a monster when we fed the parents the poison that would later poison the, the fetus mm -hmm. or the child, even if they had a child already born and they was raising that child. We fed the parent a poison that the parent fed the child. The poison is the mentality. Mm -hmm. And now the child is acting out double, triple fold. The poison that we fed the parents, the child is acting that out now. And so now, just as a, and it's, and it's crazy because I was just riding up, uh, I, was, I was coming from my cousin's house just a minute ago, and I was riding up the street. And you could see all the drug addicts and prostitutes and it just kind of I always ride past and I ask myself how is it that a prostitute or what they call a sex worker they lose all fear of walking the streets at night pitch black hmm. past bushes past baking houses they lose all of that the fear of it the drug the male drug addict lose the fear of walking behind and up alleys, we used to be scared because we know a dog is somewhere around or a big rat is somewhere around. They have no fear of any of this. Why? Because they have been desensitized by their addiction, which now becomes their mental illness. And so they can do this easily with no problem. And that's the same mental illness that has been passed down to these youth. They have no problem pulling the trigger. Because... The poison has been passed down to them to where it removes all actual fear. Don't get me wrong. Youth, with youth comes the diminished capacity, diminished culpability. In other words, a youth cannot really appreciate what they're really doing. This don't mean that they're not responsible for what they did, but they can't really appreciate it as an adult would. Brain science shows that uh, uh, the brain does not stop uh, uh, growing until the age of 26. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got out of prison because science showed that 
you cannot subscribe adult responsibility to a youth. Mm -hmm. So now, if me and you were planning a robbery and someone were shot, they would say, well, we're going to charge them with murder, however it go, because they were old enough to know that they was robbing someone. They had guns that was loaded, and they knew that if somebody moved, they knew that what they possibly could do. Well, the child don't think that way. That's right. Nowadays, the child just go into it, and he might just shoot because he don't even understand the full totality of his decision or his behavior. And, and, and I don't want to just single out the poor community because these, these examples that we're lying out is, is what kind of paints in, in the environment in the poor community. But with, with, with our teenage killers, right, this is ranging from the poor community to the rich community. Like these rich kids are killing people too. So it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing because they're not under that, that, that pressure, you know, that, that we're under in the poor community. But again, I think it, it still falls back onto the parents. So what is really going on in America that is forming our children the way that it is? Like, where's the disconnect between the children and the parents? And I think it really goes back to what you were saying earlier, man. You know, because when we were kids, like, one, we had a lot more fathers in our lives as kids back in the in the 70s, back in the 80s, right? And not only that, but these fathers were whooping our ass. Right. We, weren't, we weren't scared of an ass whooping. We knew what it felt like to have hands put on us. You know what I mean? But in, in, in the event of, you know, uh, child abuse, people started coming out. Um, and don't get me wrong, there is definitely a difference between punishment and abuse. Right. Right. So when this started coming out, it really started to affect the home because now we were scared to put our hands on our child because now when our child goes to school. Right. These people are seeing our child or our child may go to the psychologist and say, my dad whooped me last night or whatever. Now we're coming and we're being questioned. We're being charged. We're being thrown in prison for for spanking our child. Right. And just to clarify for me. The difference between abuse and punishment is understanding, right? If you go and you and you hit your child and your child does not understand as a child, not not in your mind, but if that child does not understand the punishment that it just received, then that is abuse because that's going to cause trauma within the child because not knowing is what causes the trauma when something affects you. But when you when you. When you spank your child and you sit down and you get your child to understand why that spanking occurred, right? What you did could hurt you or it could hurt others around you. This is why you got spanked so that you always remember this, right? You never do this again. You never play with fire. You never pick up a gun. You never do these things, right? Right. Then that child is always going to remember that. And I'm sorry, but me as a child, I'm, I would never, ever, I don't care how severe it was, I would never remember anybody yelling at me. You know what I mean? Right. But I, I remember every ass whooping my father gave me. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know? And that's amazing. And you're right. Uh, the mentality 
of a child killer is indiscriminate. It, it, it does not live in minority neighborhoods, you know, because, you know, it's some of the richest people obviously use drugs. And it has the same effect on a rich brain that it has on a poor brain. And the rich have a child and they pass down that addiction, that alcoholism, that whatever it is, that that uh, poison. And we find and research have shown that even from these people who have this money from suburban neighborhoods, they suffer certain traumas and mental illnesses just as anyone else do. Because again, when you're speaking, the problem is not the drug. Don't get me wrong. The problem ain't the drug. The problem is that the, the, the decisions that we make when it comes to the drug. Mm-hmm. But I want to clarify and emphasize that with respect to what we're talking about, how do, do these children become killers as if it's just the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. Easy. And now yeah. we bring back the drugs because now our parents experiment it. My parents experimented with heroin, became heroin addicts. Experimented with pills, became pill poppers. Uh, I didn't, I didn't inherit any of those uh, illnesses. I inherited the drug dealer illness. And so now we living in an era to where most youth they pop pills. You mm-hmm. got excess. First of all, you had that stuff called water. When people was getting wet with the fantastic weed stuff, burning out the brain. You had when I was growing up, you was growing up, we had a toothpick, a toothpick joint. Mm-hmm. And four or five people would get high off that one joint. Mm-hmm. Now you have joints the size of a finger, mm-hmm. and it's only one person on that, and he really not getting high. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, what's in it? So being that I worked in team wellness, which is a, a mental health and drug abuse uh, facility, I used to have to drop a lot of people, the urine drops. And I used to take guys to the bathroom, and they used to be, I was the peer coach, so they talked to me, I'm the meeting, I'm the facilitator of the meeting. They'd be like, man, I ain't did nothing but smoked a little weed, that's it, man. So I, I drop them, I look at what's in their urine, heroin, uh, uh, some cocaine. They're like, man, hell no, I ain't never did none of that. I mm-hmm. said, bro, it's in the weed. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people would swear up and down. They never did. I never did this. I'm not even here for that. Mm-hmm. So my point is that a lot of our youth have drug addiction to pills. I mean, they pop pills like it's, I mean, and then the lean. And then the rappers, the singers, they seeing all of these people, they advertising it. They promoting it. Mm-hmm. So when you have. The person, because you don't have a father in your life anymore, you don't have a big brother in your life anymore, one, of them, one or both of them is probably in prison or dead. So now the persons that you look up to is the higher-up gang members. Mm-hmm. And the persons they look up to is the higher-up gang members. And the person they look up to is the rappers who's supposed to be the higher-up gang members too. And everybody flocking to this gang, and all they're doing is sipping syrup. Every time you see them, they got a cup in their hand, and they just sipping, and their eyes closed, and and everybody smoke weed now mm-hmm. everybody so now all we doing is we creating the monster 
we creating a monster because we promote drug abuse. Not drug use, drug abuse. Mm-hmm. These are non-prescribed drugs that our youth are using. You know what I think we promote? I think we promote escape, right? <laughs> you ain't lying. I think I think America has became the land of 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 virtual reality, right? It's it's just whatever you can do to escape reality, whether it's you want to lie about yourself or you just want to st- stay intoxicated. As long as you just keep working every day, we really don't care what you're doing. Just don't become conscious and pay your taxes. You know, and other than that, you could go and you could party. We'll we'll facilitate it for you. We'll put liquor shops on every on every corner we'll put you know uh uh, big coliseums and have big games in them yeah i mean these are roman times you know if anybody knows their history these are roman times that we're in we want to be entertained all day every day we don't want to work you know what i mean we want to work as little as possible we want to be entertained constantly whether it's tiktok facebook youtube sports drugs porn there has to be some sort of entertainment in our lives every day. You know, I was over in Switzerland for two weeks. I was bored out of my freaking mind, Demetrius, <laughs> because these people close everything at eight o'clock. Everything is closed. You can't even get gas anywhere, right? Mm. There's nothing open. There's nothing to do. And you got to go to, uh, which is the red light district in Zurich, that stays open 24 seven and they may have like a club or two open with some girls or stuff. But it's like, when I went there, I was expecting like, you know what I mean? Like the red light district. I get there. I'm like, this is, this is like downtown Ebor in Tampa. This is like any city that you go to. It's nothing different, you know? But the point of that is, is that we here in America, we don't stop. It's nonstop. Go, 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 go. And when I spoke to a gentleman about that over there in Switzerland, he told me, he said, well, this is why we're so smart, because we know when to sleep. And he said, this is why our families are so strong, because we put them first. You know, and we don't That's do that deep. here in America at all. That's deep, man. We don't do that at all. Everything is about you, work. I'm going to tell you why I feel that that's so deep and how it ties into what we're talking about. Because now I was just over in Puerto Rico for uh, uh, eight days uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's a street over there. I forgot what it's called now. They have, it's like a festival, like Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. every single day of the week. So I'm like, and the biggest day is obviously the weekend, but every day they have these street parties. And I'm, I'm like, dang, do, do anybody get any rest? Do anybody work? Do anybody got children? So this is what goes on right here in America, right here, especially in Detroit. It's a party because I do security. So I'm doing private security for people every day. And it's a party every day. I be thinking to myself the same thing. Like that's part of the reason why we don't mentally advance, right? Or our our capacity is so diminished because we so distracted with this alternate reality. And then when we go to home, we go home for those five, six hours to be with the child. We mad as hell because now we ain't really smoking the weed because we got high yesterday. So we having hangovers and we going through 
these withdrawals and stuff. So now we hate the baby, hate the child, just send them off to school, don't, ain't taught them nothing. So now the child is resentful, the child is rebellious, the child don't care about the school system no more because don't nobody care about them. And then when he get into a fight and we didn't allowed him to be so resentful and built up with all his anger and not talking to him, so when he get into a fight, his friends say, man, stab that punk. And so he like, hmm. man, I got a gun. I ain't stab, I'm shooting him. And then next thing you know, he shot him. And then the mother crying to him, my baby ain't never did. Yeah, your, your baby ain't never did nothing. But we as parents, and I'm not singling out no mother, but we as parents and we mm -hmm. as adults and we as leaders of the community need to pull our youth aside and talk to them because we giving them away to drugs. We giving them away to violence. We giving them away to alternate realities. Mm -hmm. we we're giving, giving them, them away. We're giving them away to our ego. You know, I, right. I was in the ER the other the other night, right? I had to go with my issue and I'm sitting there and, and what you brought up just just rung something in my head, right? About the care. There's a young a young mother, right? And she's got this this baby, probably, I don't know, three, four. And it's late. It's, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. But she must have called somebody to come pick her baby up. So when they came pick the baby up, it was like she was she she was just. She was ecstatic that the child was away from her. You know what I mean? She's like, my God, I'm so glad to have. And I could hear her just, just, you know what I mean? She's not telling anybody this. this she's just expressing this to herself because <clears throat> this child was such a nuisance to her. Mm. You, you know what I mean? And it was really essentially so she could just play on her phone or what, whatever it was that she was doing. But the point is, is that. Like you say, man, we, we, we're getting in these situations and we're allowing our, our children into these situations to, to ruin their lives because they want to be adult fast. They think that by killing people and having children is the adult thing to do because they see how we glamorize over it. They see how excited we get over this stuff, man, when it comes out on TV and in the movies and we're, you know, they they. The children see this. That's what children are. They they mimic. They're mirroring neurons are, are firing off and they're they're just mirroring everything that they see the adults doing. And it's like we live in this society now where none of these adults take ownership of or accountability for anything. They want to blame everybody for anything but themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's just a crazy environment. But before we wrap this up, D, let's get into I, I I can sit here, man. I'm good. Well, I only usually only run about a half hour or so, but oh, okay. But um, we could we could do this weekly. Like I say, we could make this a four or five part thing and just come on each week. But before we wrap this up tonight, let me ask you this here, because we we've been talking about the problems, and and this is all we ever hear is the problems. And I'm a solution oriented person, as you are as well, as I've 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 researched right. So. We need solutions. And I want to just ask you, before we even start into the solutions, let me ask you, what did little Demetrius need that could have changed his life and put him on a different path as that child? What was you missing and what could you have needed? What were some of the signs that a parent could have saw that, that their child was going wayward, you know, if they would have just paid attention? Man, that's a beautiful question, man. It's it's the the last word you said is what we needed. Attention. Mm -hmm. We needed the right attention. 
we needed our parents, the grown-ups, to stop saying, he's just doing that for attention. Because we was just doing that for attention. And you wasn't giving it to us. And therefore, we started talking to Tommy and them who sell dope down the street. And they was giving us attention. You know, that, that older guy down the street that they say he shouldn't be, ha- I shouldn't be hanging around him because he a grown-up and I'm not. Well, he was giving me the attention that I was looking for at home for my brothers, parents, whoever it was. And we have to give them our attention. We know that sometimes they manipulative because we was that way too. But we as parents and elders of our community got to be able to discern what's manipulating and what's real. Because even a manipulative child needs some attention because he wouldn't be trying to manipulate if he didn't need attention. We have to give our youth the attention that they deserve so they can enjoy being a youth. They can appreciate it. And they could see themselves five years from now doing something constructive. Why? Because we showed them love. Mm. That love came through attention. And that's what I was missing. Amen. Amen. I think a lot of our kids are missing that. And, that, and, and you know, that ties into a whole nother episode where we can get into the prison industrial system and how that's affecting our children as well. So, I mean, this is not this is not just a one a one conversation topic. You know what I mean? This took many generations to unfold, to create. And these are two guys who grew up in the midst of it. You know, um, before I go, I wanted to touch on some, it just reflected back onto me, but you made a key point earlier. I didn't get the, the, the hit on, but like you said, when we were kids, we couldn't get guns like we could get guns today. You know what I mean? Where did that shift at? Where did that change come in at? Right. <laughs> right. And this, this again goes into a whole nother episode where we can talk about the Patriot Act because yes. that is where our police started becoming militarized, right? right? We started seeing these tanks rolling in our streets. And then you got these cops in the hood selling the stuff out of their trunk. They're getting their cars broke into and they're getting machine guns ripped out of their cars or they're leaving their cars unlocked or whatever. So this is where we started to see the rise of these weapons in our hood. Again, at the government's expense, at the government's Mm -hmm. hand. So I'll let you wrap us up, D. Check this out. I, I, I want to tell a real, real short story. I'm riding down the street a few hours ago. My brother had called me. He said, man, it's a dead body laying over there on the street. It had been laying over there for a couple hours. The police just got him out there under sheet. So about an hour later, I go over there. It's three, three and a half, four hours later. Dead body still laying there. Now, I talked to a couple people around there. It's a young boy. Young mm-hmm. boy done been killed. So we, as a community... I don't know the situation. I'm not even concerned with the situation. I'm concerned with the overall community behind situations that happen. We got to step up. We got to step up. We didn't just gave y'all some insight on what goes on in the mind of a child that causes that child to become a killer. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take the insight that we just shared with you all and why don't we Go back into this community where those children are at, at risk children, where they are at, and let's give them the attention they need as elders. Stop acting like if you're the mother, stop acting like the, the friend. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Act like the mama. If you the daddy, stop acting like his friend. Act like his daddy. That's what he needs because he can go outside to see a friend. We need to step up. We need to step our game up because if we don't step our game up now, and I'm going to end with this, and I mean it exactly the way I'm saying it, unapologetic. If we don't step our game up right now and be the responsible individuals to the community that we're supposed to be, we will have the next bullet in our head by youth. And our family going to be crying. That's all I got to say. Amen, brother. My, and, and, and my tip of the night for, for parents you know, is you could start this right away is recognizing emotions, right? How much emotions are in the home? Are, are you allowing emotions to rule the house? Are you, are you doing everything out of emotions? Or, you know, if you are doing this, then your child is also going to be reacting out of emotions. And a child is like a baby snake. A baby snake cannot control its venom. Right. When a baby snake bites you, this is why getting bit by a baby snake is so dangerous, because it releases all its venom into you. It has not learned how to control the amount of venom. Right. It does not know to, to, to sit back on some of that. It learns that through life, the same as a child. So this is why when a child is shown that it's appropriate to act out emotionally, this is what they're going to do. But they're going to be 10 times more potent. So. Recognize, is your home filled with emotions? If so, get them in check. Is your child acting out emotionally? Teach them. Listen, let the emotions subside. Before you start thinking about what you're going to do, let the emotion go by. Get your anger out. Get your sadness out. Then think about what you did. You know, these are some of the things my father would sit me down as, you know, at times and would tell me, now sit, sit and think about what you did, you know. But the great conversation, man. Thanks. Um, I look forward to next Thursday night with you, man. Absolutely. I'm here. No question. To the viewers, you guys stay safe. This is Demetrius Knuckles Eel and Thomas Freeme. We'll see you again next Thursday night with a like or similar topic. Until then, you guys stay safe. Stay blessed. We out. Peace.